love the presence of the Lord that you feel. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and do that again. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. The scripture teaches us, clap your hands, all you people. Hallelujah. We're going to be uh, talking tonight about the subject of perseverance. Perseverance. Uh, this, of course, is a word that we are familiar with. But we're going to look into it and we're going to look into what the word of the Lord says about it. Uh, interestingly enough, the word persevere is not in the Bible. But the principles of what it means to persevere certainly are in the word of the Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, perseverance, of course, is not a word that is strange to us. Uh, we understand that perseverance has to do with endurance. Perseverance has to do with survival. Perseverance has to do with making it through to the end. And that is of supreme importance to the child of God that we make it to the end. It is not time to quit. It is not time to turn around. It's not time to give up. But it's time to endure unto the end. It's time to persevere. And so we're going to talk about that. There are going to be many moments in life where you will feel like giving up. Anybody know what I'm talking about this evening? Amen. We should, we should hear a hearty amen on that. We have felt before like giving up. How many are glad you didn't give up? Glory to God. Thank God that you didn't give up. And so we want to talk about what does it mean to endure? What does it mean to persevere? How do you uh, persevere and how do you endure? I want to talk about this word particularly because it has uh, some very uh, powerful context to it. When you look at the word of the Lord, uh, you see that the scripture teaches us again about the concepts, the principles, the precepts, I'll say, of perseverance. For instance, the Bible teaches us that the race is not given to the swift. It teaches us that the battle is not given to the strong. But then it lets us know that, that he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. We should not be discouraged if we are not the swiftest. We should not be discouraged if we are not the strongest. We should be encouraged to know that enduring unto the end is what it's all about. And so we find our strength in the Lord. We find our pace for the race in the Lord. And we persevere unto the end. The scripture is replete with examples of people who persevered. Who had severe challenges. I want to focus your attention on that word, severe challenges because it's in the word persevere uh, this are related words and so we're going to talk a little bit about that look at the story of Joseph Joseph was a man who had dreams of greatness God gave him those dreams God inspired Joseph at a very early age in his life to understand that there was something more in store for him and Joseph believed that he never he dreamed about great things, but he never dreamed, no pun intended, but yes, actually there was a pun intended there. He never dreamed of exactly how it would happen. It happened far different than what he anticipated would be the course of his life. But the dream was fulfilled. It required of Joseph 
to undergo several, again, another word that we see the word severe in, several, several different engagements of his faith. Time and time again, Joseph had to be confronted by circumstances that were outside of his control. His own brothers betrayed him, cast him into a pit, wanted some of them to kill him. And if it weren't for the wisdom of one or two prevailing on the others that they would sell him merely into slavery, Joseph would have died right then. But the dream would have been unfulfilled. And let me tell you something. As long as the dream is unfulfilled, as long as God's will has not been accomplished, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Nothing can kill you when God wants you alive. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a heartbeat, you have a purpose for being here right now. And if God decides to take us on to glory, then we thank Him for that and we live forever with Him. It's a win-win situation for the child of God. But Joseph, nothing could take him out. And yet he had to endure severe hardship. He had to endure the betrayal of his brothers. He had to persevere past that point. He had to endure being sold into slavery. He had to endure being falsely accused when he was sold into Potiphar's house. Falsely accused of Potiphar's wife. He had to endure that. He had to persevere beyond that. He was cast into prison. He had to endure that. He was met there by the butler and the baker. He was forgotten of them for two years. They said, oh... We'll remember you. We will never forget you. You have really, really helped us, and we're grateful for that, and, and we're behind you 100%, way behind you. And Joseph was forgotten for two years left in that prison. He had to persevere through those two years. He had to endure through those two years. It's easy for me as a preacher in 2016 to say, that he persevered for two years. But when you're Joseph and you're in that prison and day one passes and day two arrives and you've got 24 hours to endure and a third day arrives and you have 24 more hours and minute by minute and moment by moment you are trying to persevere. It's a lot more difficult than just a passing phrase that it was a two-year perseverance period for Joseph. Perseverance is a difficult thing to do. Perseverance is a difficult thing to achieve. It takes great pain to persevere. It involves great sacrifice to persevere. It involves tremendous amounts of patience to persevere. But persevere nonetheless. And we're going to talk about how a person can achieve the noble act of perseverance. You look at the life of, of Moses and you see perseverance written all over his life to the point that even at the end of his life, he still did not receive the land of promise in his, in his generation. But he persevered nonetheless and he never regretted a day of perseverance that was involved with taking the children of Israel out of Egypt and toward the land of promise. You look at the life of King David. King David one of the great heroes of the Hebrew people. And of course, he wrote the book of Psalms. So many of the Psalms were written by David. 
And we are encouraged by them. If you are discouraged, read a psalm. Look at your neighbor say, read a psalm. Read a psalm. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns. That's what the Bible tells us to do. That's part of the way we persevere. We speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns. That's very clear what that's talking about. It's referring to the book of psalms. Not the latest hit on the billboard whatever. Not, the, not your favorite oldie. A psalm. A biblical psalm. Get into the word of the Lord and speak to yourself in those psalms. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever if you speak to yourself those words in the middle of your trial you're going to immediately receive the strength of the word of God that's what the apostle Paul was teaching us and he was teaching us this because he knew how to persevere you talk about a man who had to persevere the apostle Paul had to persevere he had to persevere through uh, he described it, perils of his own countrymen, perils of his own brethren, perils of robbers, spent a day and a night in the deep. Now, some of y'all spent a day and a night, maybe three nights, four days on Royal Caribbean. That's not what Paul was talking about. Paul spent a day and a night in the deep without the comfort of a cruise ship. He had a broken piece of board to float on a day and a night in the deep. I know folks that are scared to get their ankles in ocean water for fear of sharks. Paul is a day and a night in the deep, but he persevered. He endured. He pushed past that point, and he was a better man for it. So he comes to us and teaches us how to do the same thing. Speak to yourselves in Psalms hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. I remember the first time I saw Bluetooth technology, I was sitting in an airport, and uh, I was just kind of waiting for my plane to, to board, and I was sitting near the gate, and as I sat there, had my Bible out, was reading my Bible, and uh, here came a, uh, a gentleman, uh, toward my direction and and he was talking I thought maybe I knew him or he knew me and he was just talking and I, I imagined he was talking to me because I was the only one near there and so I looked up to him like have we met before then what he was saying was so kind of odd it was kind of chopped up as though as though I was responding to him and I wasn't and so I, I then I realized oh he's crazy that's what this is I, I've, I've seen this before he's crazy that's what it is. That's all it is. No problem. 
but he wasn't crazy. He had a technology that I wasn't familiar with yet, and it was Bluetooth technology. He was, he was tied into something I couldn't see. He was tuned into something, a frequency that was invisible to me, not understood by me. And there may be some people who don't understand what you're doing when you're speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, but do it anyway. Hallelujah. Prayer itself is a step of faith. Prayer itself is a step of faith. You are speaking into the invisible and you are addressing a known entity who created all of us. Hallelujah. Somebody said God is like scotch tape. You can't see him but you know he's there. Amen. It's a step of faith and it will help you persevere. It will help you endure. So we want, to, we want to look at this a little bit. Again, you look at King David who taught us at one place. He said when all was going wrong in his life, when everything was, was uh, so difficult, he'd lost his uh, family and the men were turning against him because of them being off at Ziklag. And when he returned to his home, they found that their women and children had been taken by the enemy. Everybody turned on David. David had been through a lot in his life. His own son turned on him at one point. His mentor, Saul, turned on him at one point. David had been through a lot. David himself had created own battles for himself. When he got carried away with his kingly position and forgot that he needed to be on the battlefield, and he got carried away with his own lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh, and he created problems for himself. David had one issue after another to arise in his life. And he taught us one important ingredient of perseverance. And it is this. He said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. Glory to God. I encouraged myself in the Lord. If somebody here today needs courage, encourage yourself in the Lord. Think again of his goodness. Think again of his power. Consider again his mighty acts. The Bible says praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. If you're wondering what you should praise the Lord for, the Bible teaches you what to praise him for. Praise him for his mighty acts. You should praise him for overcoming death, hell, and the grave. You should praise him for parting the Red Sea. You should praise him for delivering Daniel out of the lion's den. You should praise him for the miracles that he has done in your life. You should praise him for the miracles you've seen him do in other people's lives. And you will be enveloped by the presence of the Lord. Step into heavenly places and find a power to persevere. You'll find a power to continue on. This word perseverance. Perseverance. The word per is the prefix. It's not the sound that a cat makes when the cat is kind of brushing up against your leg. That's not, that's not what this is. It means thoroughly. Thoroughly. The word severance or severance or sever actually has a, a complex meaning. And it, it, we, we know what we mean when we say sever. We know that we're talking about cutting something off. That's a proper usage of the word, but it actually involves pain. It actually involves 
strictness. Strictness. So when you're speaking of perseverance, you are speaking of thoroughly strict to the point of pain. That don't sound like any fun, does it? That sounds like your worst nightmare teacher when you walked into class thinking this was going to be a great school year and you met Mr. So-and-so and he was thoroughly strict to the point of pain. But he helped you persevere, didn't he? Perseverance is when a person becomes thoroughly strict in their own life to the point that it is uncomfortable and inconvenient. We find this to be a proper application of the word perseverance in times when a person needs to tighten the belt. They become thoroughly strict with their finances to the point of pain. When a person is in a situation where they realize that their life of, of uh, lifestyle of eating and whatnot is going to cause physical harm to their body if it continues, then many times they will put themselves on a restricted kind of a diet, thoroughly strict to the point of pain. And, and, it, and they have to do these things in order to persevere through the hardship. In order to persevere through the period that we would call in the woods. You've ever heard somebody say, well, they're doing good, but they're not out of the woods yet. The doctor, the nurses who are treating that person who's not out of the woods yet, they have to help them persevere. They have to be thoroughly strict to the point of pain sometimes. Don't get out of that bed. Lay back down. Don't sit up. Lay down. This is going to hurt, but it's going to last just a couple seconds. It's a prick. Hold on. Waking you up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. And we're going to make you uncomfortable and inconvenient because you are in a position of life right now that you must persevere through. And we're going to help you do that, but it's going to involve strictness, it's going to involve difficulty, and it's going to be, at times, painful. Don't be afraid of those experiences in life. I find that many times we can dread experiences to the point that we have lived them out so many times over and over in our own worry and dread and nothing has happened yet. So many of us live fearful of a worst case scenario and a worst case scenario never does develop. Don't waste your time worrying. Here's what you will find. One, the worst case scenario will probably, most likely, never develop. And secondly, if a worst case scenario does indeed develop, you will find in that moment a grace from God and a power from His Spirit that will give you strength to persevere, to endure. Strength that you don't have, but He does, and He gives it to you when you need it the most. Hallelujah. Perseverance. The Bible speaks of how that the Lord provides to us this kind of, of ministry. Now, I want to look at the book of Hebrews in the fourth chapter. I'm going to read a verse of scripture that is very, uh, uh, very helpful to us through the years. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God. How many love the word of God? 
How many appreciate the word of God? How many have ever needed a word from God and you opened up the word of God and you got the word from the Lord that you needed? Anybody ever had that before? This book is a book that is filled with exactly what you and I need to live this life on earth and to live for all eternity. But notice what the Bible says about the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, I want to just pause there for a moment, and, and I want to point out a few things. I like to point to the apostle Peter when he took the sword in his hand and swung it at Malchus when Malchus and the other centurion soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And Peter thought he was doing a work for the Lord. Jesus rebuked him, said, put your sword away. If you live by it, you'll die by it. He ended up cutting off Malchus's ear in an attempt to save and to protect Jesus. Do you know we do that many times with the word of God? When somebody is in error or we perceive that somebody is in a position where they, they are doing damage to the gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes we take this Bible... And we swing away at whoever's in fault. And we don't really pay attention to where we're swinging or how hard we're swinging. We just go whacking away. Before long, somebody's injured. They've got their ear hanging down, falling on the ground. Which is the very way that they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have removed from them the capacity to hear the gospel because of our recklessness with what is the sharpest instrument known to the earth. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So this is why the Apostle Paul said we are to handle it skillfully. We are to handle it skillfully. We are to handle it in the fear of the Lord. And by all means, we are to speak the truth of it in love. Because it is such a powerful instrument. It wasn't meant to go swinging around carelessly among people. It was meant to be a surgical instrument. The individual that receives the word of God is to be anesthetized by the presence of God. And when they are anesthetized by the presence of the Lord, then the word of the Lord can enter them with precision, with skill, with deliberateness and begin to do a powerful, deep, and productive work in their life. Amen. And so this is what we're seeing. The Bible says, notice the precision of this statement. The Bible says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's what the Word of God is capable of doing. The Word of God is capable of dividing between the soul and the spirit. Well, that is an amazing feat because I'm not sure, in fact, I, I am sure that, that we in ourselves are incapable of dividing between the soul and the spirit. I am describing, when I speak of the soul and the spirit, I am speaking of two invisible realities. I am comprised of three parts and so are you. Body, you see that. I'm sorry, you see that. Soul and spirit. I am more invisible than I am visible. 
And the word of God is capable of taking these, these intangible realities of who we are. These parts of us that are invisible, unable to be seen, unable to have fingers or hands placed on them. The word of God is sharp enough, precise enough, capable to distinguish this is soul and this is spirit. One is where my emotions are. Spirit, where my emotions live, where my feelings live, where my li- what my life experience has formed. Where my opinions are, where all of my speculation is, that's my spirit. But then there's this soul where the conscience lives, where God can speak and where I can have a right understanding of the Lord. So when I come to a point where where I'm having thoughts, I have a decision to make. And I'm having thoughts and I'm having to decide, okay, is this soul or is this spirit? Is this God speaking to my conscience or is this my own emotions making me afraid or indecisive? There's only one way to find out. You go to the word of the Lord. And when you go to the word of the Lord, the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it divides. And ladies and gentlemen, that can be painful because you have some things that you absolutely are 100% convinced about. And nobody better tell me any different. Well, you better let the Word of God have that kind of authority in your life. Because this Word is forever settled in heaven. And this Word is magnified above His name. We We do not search the Scriptures in order to validate what we believe. We search the scriptures so that we can be informed of what we should believe. And so the word of God is that sharp instrument that severs. It severs. Through the course of living, even in walking through human life, we will develop disformities. We will develop dysfunctions. We will develop wrong Thoughts, we will develop wrong habits, we will develop wrong attitudes, preconceived notions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We will develop prejudices, we will develop bias. These are fleshly things that ought not to be in the heart, the mind, the soul of the child of God. And the word of God comes to sever those things. This happens. When you face difficulty. That's when this occurs. When you and I face difficulty, the word of God begins to speak into our life, deal with our heart, and it begins to cut off what does not belong in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, God God is doing a work in us. The Bible says we are his workmanship. He's still working on me. I'll tell you that right now. And the moment, and the moment I start thinking that I have arrived, that's when I realize he's got so much more work to do on me. He has a lot of work. Somebody said, I got a long way to go just to be like my Lord. John chapter 15, the gospel according to John and the 15th chapter. Notice what the scripture says says in John chapter 15. 
The scripture says, I am the true vine, verse 1. My father is the husbandman. The Lord, ladies and gentlemen, is the pruner of the garden. When you feel a little pain in your walk with God, don't run from it. That's just the Father coming down into your life and taking off what needs to be removed. We grow a little wild weed of a bad attitude. We grow a little wild weed of a, of a misguided view of people or a misguided view of things or a misguided view of God. And it is the Lord's work to come down into our life and begin to cut off those things that ought not to be there. Don't resist that. Welcome that. Do you know the Bible said that you are not one of his children if you cannot receive his chastisement? The thing that qualifies me to be a child of God is whether or not I will receive his chastisement. And it's not an easy thing to receive. When the Lord comes down and begins to say, hey, Joel, I uh, want you to change this, 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 and this. And some of those things are things I was doing for him. Some of those things were things like Peter, where I thought, well, oh, he's really going to love this. I'm going to cut this guy's ear off. Show him how much I love him. Show him how much I'll protect him at all costs. And instead you get a rebuke. That's the Lord severing from us what needs to be severed from us. This is a matter of perseverance. The reason you should endure your trial is because you are being pruned. You are being, you are being shaped and formed in his image. And you can't be in his image and still look like you. You can't be in his image and still have your attitude or your preferences. So endure it and let the Lord do his work. James, the book of James, chapter 1. The book of James, chapter 1. Notice what the, notice what the scripture says. Verse number 2, James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy, all of it. When you fall into diverse temptation, I thought he was going to say, my brethren, count it all joy when things are going well. Count it all joy when you come into some kind of a big windfall of some sort. Count it all joy when, when there is so much to be joyful about. But that's not what he said. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When you face the most difficult times of your life, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Why and how? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith is working patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That's where, that's where the pruning comes in. That's where the husbandman begins to do his work. That's where the severing begins to happen. That's where the cutting and the surgery begins to happen. Let Patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now what he just described was that you may be like Christ. That's what he just described. That you may be like Christ. Have you noticed it can almost, it, 
It, it can almost create another problem when we try to be like the Lord. The more, you, the more you try to be like him, your flesh will mess even that up. And, and, and before it's done, you've got this warped visual of what he really looks like. You have to let his spirit make you into what he is. And so you let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, that you may be entire. And here will be, here will be the result. You want nothing. I wonder if we'll ever get to that point. There's a place in the spirit. We've, we've seen people like that. We've seen people in the spirit where they, where they are so content in God. Living for him. Loving others. Serving others. That, that when, when you ask them what their Christmas list is, they tell you, well, it was Xbox 10 million or whatever 10,000, what, two, three, four, five, I don't know where we are right now. But, but, but now it's changed. I want, I want the things of God. I want, I want the beauty of the Lord to shine through me. So let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Glory to God. I want to read to you from the book of Romans chapter 11 and I want to point out to you how this works regarding severance so we call it perseverance and it is perseverance it's also perseverance thorough thorough strictness thorough cutting to the point of 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 pain to the flesh Romans chapter 11 and verse 19, notice what the Bible says. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off. This is the Apostle Paul referring to the vine, referring to the branches of Israel that were cut off and that the Gentiles were grafted in to the body of Christ. Verse 19, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He said, the Gentiles, you might start thinking that. Those were broken off that I might be grafted in. But in verse 20, he said, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. He goes on to say, behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. On them which fell, severity was upon them which fell, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Hallelujah. There is a severity of God concerning unbelief. And our prayer should be like that of Jairus who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. There are parts of me that are unbelieving. Cut those off, Lord. Cut those off, Lord. Don't let those rule me. Don't let those be the guiding influences of my life. But let me be a child of God full of faith. 
Believing in the power of the Lord. How many believers do we have in the house of God tonight? I want to be a believer. I don't want to be an unbeliever. You know, you're not just a believer because you believed at one point and obeyed Acts 2.38 at one point. That's That's not what constitutes a believer. What constitutes a believer is those who believe. Just because you believed 35 years ago doesn't mean that you are necessarily a believer. Because if you don't believe now, take heed, lest God spare not thee also. So it's important for us to understand that there's a severity of God. There is a severity of God. He wills that no man should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. That all should come to repentance. But the severity of God, you will meet it when you go through trials. When you go through pain. And God will cut attitude off of you. And God will cut preconceived notions and he will cut imaginations and he will cut off ungratitude you know you know pain has a way of doing that pain is very precious actually you know it's it's more helpful than it is hurtful you say what are you what in the world are you talking about the pain is merely an indicator of a problem that's what the pain is thank god for the pain the pain is letting you know there's something awry there's something amiss and so so the pain is actually a very helpful thing to you to let you understand what needs to be corrected without pain you go blindly into oblivion until you are past the point of being able to come back but pain is something amazing you know it has a way of it has a way of bringing things into perspective you know, you can be going along. I'll speak from experience. I have, every now and then I have, a, I have a neck issue. And I can tell when it's coming on. And I have to do these motions. And I have to go forward and backward. Oh, man. I have to move my neck all around. And it pretty well limbers up if I just do that throughout the day. But I didn't know to do that when it first hit me. And so I just kind of kind of pandered to the pain and was trying to not be in pain and before it was over I was leaned over my earlobe touching my shoulder and going into spasms and I was preaching praying for people trying to act like everything was fine I'm Lord bless them and bless me Lord it was horrible I ended up in a neck brace and trying to travel home and I, I in fact we were staying at a hotel and I I was in this neck brace going into spasms and the, the pain was so intense and uh, my wife had the flu and our, our children were little and we were leaving Buffalo, New York and coming back home to Indiana where we lived at the time. I couldn't drive. I couldn't pick anything up. I couldn't even get my shirt on. It hurt so bad and I would go into spasms. And so as we were leaving the hotel, we're driving from Buffalo to Indiana. Uh, I, I, I called the, the bellhop. And I said to the bell service, I said, would there be any way that you could help me? Maybe even more than usual. I said, my wife has the flu. I have had some kind of a neck issue arise where I can't lift anything. I said, I have two small children. We have all these suitcases. Could you help me with absolutely everything? Sure, sir, no problem. And I said, well, I appreciate that. And so we we got ready to, to leave. And he did. Man, he was very kind and helpful. And he 
packed up the luggage cart, got the luggage cart and emptied into the car. He got the car seats all buckled in, got the kids into the car seat. And, and I'm standing there, thank you, sir. And I, I got in the elevator and I thought to myself, you know, what a, what a nice what a nice help this was. This guy really went out of his way. I said, I'm going to give him a $20 bill. You know, just I appreciate that. So we went down a couple floors and we landed and we got down to the bottom floor. I thought, well, we'll do $15. Do $15. The doors opened and we were down to $10. And, and by the time I got out there, I was down to $7. Can you believe that? See, the Lord gave me 20 in my heart and I've gone down to $7. And so I'm, so I'm talking to him, and I said, here, let me give you this 20. And now, mind you, my neck is in so much pain, I'm not thinking straight. I said, let me give you this $20, and you give me a 10, a 5, and 5 ones. And then I'm going to give you uh, 5 and 2 ones, and then you give me 3 ones. And then, hold on, here, take this 10. Now, you give me 12. Now, hold on, wait, okay, now, you give me 4, and I'll give you back a 5. I have no idea what I was doing. I got in the car, we took off. I started going through those transactions in my mind. My wife had to drive with the flu because I couldn't turn to see traffic in the mirrors. And I'm sitting in the car. We got to Erie, Pennsylvania, and I realized he tipped me $3. It just pays to go with what the Lord put on your heart. So I went back there to preach the same place, and I found the guy, and I made it up to him. I gave him the $20 plus what he did to help us on that that next time around. But I learned something in that pain. I learned what to be grateful for. Simple motion. Simple ability to put on one's own clothing. Simple ability to move without severe pain or, or, or shots of pain. I, my back went out and I couldn't walk. And, and, I, and I immediately began to thank God for being able to walk. See, pain will bring life into perspective. And without it, you can become arrogant, you can become egotistical, you can become uh, hurtful to others, you can forget about what is important, you can start thinking that, 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 that you are above others and superior and that they are inferior. And pain has a way of bringing it all back into perspective. So count it all joy. Everything that you face, every painful experience that you've had has come to you so that God can further refine you into his image and into his likeness. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26. The scripture says, you shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that you should be mine. I have severed you from other people that you should be mine. This is the severity of God. This is why when you come into serving the Lord, if you'll remain in His presence and focused on Him, you'll realize, wow, I just don't like the things I used to like. I just don't crave the things I used to crave. Because God cut that off of you. That destructive influence, God cut it off of you. That destructive habit, God cut it off of you. 
He severed you from it and he severed it off of you. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why it is worth it to persevere. What you are going through right now, what you are facing in life at this moment, this season of your life, do not quit. Do not give up. And do not be discouraged. But endure as a good soldier and persevere. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord. Blessed be the name of 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 the Lord. Come on, that's it. Let's speak to ourselves in Psalms right now. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In good times, bless the Lord, O my soul. In bad times, bless the Lord, O my soul. In hard times, bless the Lord, O my soul. In times where I feel pain, bless the Lord, O my soul. I will persevere. I will endure. I will not die in this dilemma. I will come out of this alive. I will come out of this stronger and wiser. Hallelujah. Closer to God. Hallelujah. More effective in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. More of a blessing to those around me. Having more compassion in my heart for others. Glory to God. It is worth it to persevere. It is worth it to persevere. Let's stand to our feet right now. And let's just lift up our hearts and hands to heaven all across this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Blessed be the holy name of our God. I want somebody who's going through something right now. I want you just to abandon yourself in praise. Abandon yourself in worship to the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I honor you, God, and I give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Make up in your mind. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming into a better season in the name of the Lord. God gives me strength. God gives me power. God gives me the ability to lift up my head in the midst of trial and tribulation. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The word of the Lord says that the Apostle Paul would think himself happy. When you can't find something in your world necessarily that'll make you happy. Pastor, what do I have in my world that could make me happy? Well, seriously, what, what, what? Do you want me to look at this hardship I'm going through and be happy about that? Do you want me to go through this, this shortcoming in my life that seems to trip me up time and time again and be happy about that? Do you want me to go into the way I've been treated on the job? how I've been treated in my relationships. You want me to go into how my body begins to show symptoms of severe illness. You want me to be happy about those things. 
You get into the presence of the Lord and let the Spirit of God guide your thoughts. Direct your thoughts and you will think yourself happy. You will think yourself happy. Hallelujah. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He picked me up, turned me around. <laughs> it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to sing praise unto the Lord. I wonder if we could do that right now. Just close your eyes and lift up your praises unto the Lord and think of the goodness of God. When I think about the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. How he picked me up. How he picked me up. Turned me around. Turned me around. How he placed my feet. How he placed my feet. On solid ground. <laughs> Ooh, when I think about the Lord. Lord. When I think about the Lord. Oh, yes. How he saved me. How he saved me. How he raised me. How he raised me. How he filled oh, me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how 